So if you have your journals, now would be a good time to, to take them out. And uh, this song just talked about being like a babe, just in his parents' arms, just his head re relaxed. Not quite like that baby there, but almost. <laughs> He's getting ready for that, hopefully. Um, and we do that through a posture of contemplation, of, of resting
Anybody tired? Anybody weary? <laughs> heavy, heavy laden? The Lord says, come to me and take upon me my yoke, which is easy and light. So this morning, take a deep breath right now. Let it out. Does that feel good? Yes. Okay, and then just let that that happen in your spirit this morning. And let this, let, we want to give you some time because we don't get that in this world very often. So if you've been through Grace Trek and you've been uh, taught centering prayer, you can feel free to, to, to go to that right now. Um, or you can just uh, focus on your breathing. One way to do is to um, kind of think about um, what it is that's burdening you this morning and where you're feeling it in your body. Because if you, if you are aware and mindful of it, you, you'll feel it in your body somewhere, in here, in your chest, or tightness somewhere, in your stomach, just uneasiness. It's telling you something. So just take a moment and, and know that it's there. But then um, through your breathing, when you take an in-breath, just um, breathe in. And as you're breathing in, just become aware of God's spirit there and God's love there to come in and relax and dissolve. And then as you exhale, just to trust in faith and hand it to God, hand it to the Lord and let it go. So let's take a few moments, however you want to uh, draw into the Lord's presence and become like that baby just resting um, in mom or dad's arms. Um, go ahead and do that now. Spirit, we pray that you would be here, that you would protect our minds and our hearts, and that you would filter out the things that would be distracting to us, and filter in God's word to feed us, to give us what we need from you this morning. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. So speak to us, feed us this morning by your word. Amen, amen. Right now we're going to go ahead and read from the Gospel of Matthew, the fourth, cha uh, fourth chapter, verses 1 through 11. You don't need to stand. Um, just stay in this meditative posture and just let the words that are being read come to you. And as, as uh, Norma is reading to you, Use your imagination to put yourself in the scene. Um, you know, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Even what are you smelling? What are you, what are you feeling, touching, um, tasting? Imagine yourself in this gospel story as she reads and hear the word of the Lord. 
Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, Since you are the son, or since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, It is written, People won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, Since you are God's son, throw yourself down, for it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, Again it is written, Don't test the Lord your God. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I'll give you all these if you bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, Go away, Satan, because it is written, You will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him, and the angels came and took care of him. do have that reading in your bulletin so uh, you can take a look at it and it's also in your e-bulletin um, and on the back of the reading there's some space to write if you didn't bring a journal how does this story speak to you today Jesus was fasting for over a month and was starving could starving be a symbol for things we may starve in our lives or starve out of our lives. Jesus says it is written four times to Satan. Jesus is quoting the written commands of God while Satan was twisting scriptural promises. The commands of God are summed up by the commands to worship and serve only God. We worship and serve God when we love God by loving ourselves and others well. Is there anything in your life that is getting in the way of loving well? Is there something that needs to be starved out of your life in order to love and serve God alone. So feel free now to journal your thoughts, to think about it, just reflect on it. You can write them down or not. Let's take a moment to do that. Now let's prayerfully listen to the scripture again. And as you listen, be ready to enter into prayerful conversation with God about what God is saying to you today. Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. The tempter came to him and said, since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Jesus replied, it's written, people
people won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and stood him at the highest point of the temple. He said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down, for it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, again, it's written, don't test the Lord your God. Then the devil brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I'll give you all these if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, go away, Satan, because it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him and the angels came and took care of him. Lent is a good time to evaluate how your life may be off course. If, let's say you have a spiritual compass, and if, tr if true north is love, you understand that? True north on your compass is love. How might you be slightly off course in a way that is taking you away from love? And how might God be inviting you to make a course correction? So look at that compass, look at love, get your life back on course. Take a moment now to have a conversation with God about it. That's what prayer is, just having a conversation with God about it. What is God saying to you this morning through God's spirit? What are you saying? What's on your heart? How are you wanting to respond? What fears might be in the way? Just talk to God about it and ask. Tell God what's on your heart. What do you need from God this morning? Just take a moment in prayer and feel free to journal your thoughts as well. Gospel of the Lord. Oh, help us, Lord, refuse the bait of evil's constant charming lure. Protect us now from Satan's hate and keep us in your arms secure. And keep us in your arms and I enjoy doing during the summer is we go on this pilgrimage to Joshua Tree 
I don't know if you've ever been to Joshua Tree at night, but it's the most beautiful desert area you can imagine. We always go there before the sun, sun sets and we watch this incredible sunset. But then I take the car way down in the boondocks where there's nobody there. I turn off the car and I get out of the car and with the warm breeze of the desert and the beautiful stars, this is where I really feel the closest to God. Now Jennifer sometimes feels like it's the next episode of Dateline that she's going, someone's going to get murdered here. I know someone's going to get murdered here. But for me, the desert, Joshua Tree, is where I feel the presence of our Creator, the presence of God, more so than in the sanctuary. And so when I was going over the scripture today, uh, during the week, I mean, that I meditated and two words that jumped out on me were these words, the wilderness and my identity. Because the wilderness is, is interesting. It said this, then the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. And so in my head, I'm going, aren't we supposed to avoid temptation? But yet God brought Jesus into a place, the Holy Spirit, it says, to be tempted. What was he being tempted about? Why did the Holy Spirit do this? In fact, it's interesting, if you look at the Bible and you go, okay, what does the wilderness symbolize? What is important about the wilderness? And I wrote it down here. It said the wilderness is a place of solitude and silence. God's first language is silence. In order to hear God speak in silence, we first have to find solitude away from the noise of everyday life. But for anyone who has gone into the wilderness or solitude, they know that their noisy thoughts travel with them, don't they? Noisy thoughts are anchored in the ego and become a barrier to the inner silence needed to hear the still, small voice of God. So the wilderness is where we both draw close to God, but also is where we do a battle with our egos to find the solitude we need to anchor our identity in what God says about us, rather than what is our voices trapped in our thoughts say about us. It's interesting when I look at this also too, the other word is identity. See, the thing is, we always ask these questions sometimes, is who am I and what am I here for? Because if we don't know who we are and why we're here, then what happens, we buy into somebody else's version of what we should do. This is why you're here. This is what you should do. Have you chased a dream that you thought, why am I chasing this? Why am I doing this? This is not giving me satisfaction. Because you never chased on who you are or never decided, then what am I here for? You remember what happened right before this, this scripture that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and it said this, and I thought it was interesting. This is my son, my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Just in that statement alone was his identity and what he was here for. God made it clear, this is who you are. And so our, our identity as Christians, if you look at the word Christian, it simply means many me. And as a Christian, my identity, I guess, needs to be exactly the same identity as Jesus. Does that make sense? As Christians? 
And so if you look on the screen, our identity should be we are God's beloved children. We are here to please God with our faithful obedience. That's who I am. That's what I'm created to do. See, back on the screen, faithful obedience to God is simply to love as God loves. That's interesting because as pastors, we love to complicate the word of God to make us look like we're just so smart. But the word of God is not complicated. It's simply to love one another as Christ loved you. That's it. That's the whole gospel in a nutshell, the whole word of God. And so this is where it's interesting because Paul, the apostle Paul, who did not know Jesus uh, on a personal basis, but followed the exact, the exact way Jesus lived. In fact, you find out that Paul knew his purpose. Paul knew what he was, who he was. In fact, at the end of his life, he says this, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. Jesus and Paul, their identity was within God. Jesus and Paul knew what their purpose was, why they were living, and I'm telling you, they were focused on what their lives were all about. That they were focused on loving God and loving one another. That was their fight, both Jesus and Paul. It's interesting how love can be such, it can pull up all kinds of anger. Forgiveness can pull up all kinds of stuff. But this fight doesn't start when we are busy doing stuff. In fact, the fight must first be won at the foundational level of our identity in the wilderness of solitude. True solitude is simply the naked true self in the presence of our creator who knows, loves, and is pleased of what the creator has uniquely made in each one of us. The eagle constructed false self. We fight hard to get real noisy to keep the solid foundation of true self from being uncovered. Last Sunday was an incredible Sunday for me. And I thank you all for being here at the church. <laughs> Whatever. It was a good Sunday. And I remember talking to my, my superintendent right there, and I could tell you what's going on. The ego was kicking in. The ego needed to pull something out. The ego needed to brag. The ego needed to say, look what I'm doing. And then I remember stepping away. Terrence started talking to him. Thank you, Terrence. And then I stepped away. And I said, who am I truly? We do this with our bosses, don't we? We do this at work. We do this with people at work that all of a sudden, we just, all of a sudden, we build this false image of ourselves, just like your resume. You know that, right? <laughs> okay? Instead of our true authenticity self. That's why people can be lonely in the most busiest place on the West Side because nobody knows who I am. You never let anyone know who you are. You've projected an image. And this is what our true self is all about. In fact, if you look on the screen, in order to be faithful to God, I first have to be faithful to being who God made me to be. Everyone else is taken. There is only one me. And I'm pleased, God, when I'm faithful to being uniquely my truest self. It's funny, I don't know about you, but I make up stories. Do you make up stories? We all lie, and I'm telling you why, why I make up stories. 
Now follow me, don't judge me. Remember, a mantra, no judgment, only love. I can tell, I feel like, ooh, he lies. But let me tell you, I make stories up about what I think people think about me, especially in their silence. See, all of you sitting silent, I can make up this narrative in my head that all of you think I'm an idiot right now, right? No, I know you don't. I'm not asking for you. But what I'm, what I'm looking at is sometimes through our own brokenness, we can create narratives in our head that are lies. Because it's interesting to me that, you know, we look at this and what I have a tendency is just, I remember the stuff that my father said about me. And that has went through me like a nail. Even when we were children, we can still play that over and over in our head. And when somebody comes in our life that reminds us of our father, we play that narrative again. I've had people come up to me and say, Kevin, I have pastor issues. Because they'll play the narrative when they, when they see me. They'll make the story when they see me. I've had people say, Kevin, I have father issues, and you remind me of my dad. The narrative that we play, the lies, the stories that we make up. And so can we separate this? Because we know deep down, it's funny, because I, I think like, okay, this person thinks I'm a total screw-up, and if I go, my healthy side says, did anyone tell you you're a total screw-up? I go, no, but they think it. We create this narrative. And so therefore our ego takes control. Our pride takes control. And so therefore we create a narrative with them that we tear them apart silently too. You see how it works? Father Boyle wrote this, and he's incredible healthy. He's more healthy than I am. But Credible Boyle says this in his book of Tattoos in the Heart. He talks about the ego. And I've noticed this, that success and faithfulness are two different things. The ego will chase success my true self, which is faith. The big difference here, follow me. Jesus was always too busy being faithful, faithful to worry about success. Now, I'm not opposed to success. I just think we should accept it only if it is a byproduct of our fidelity. If our primary concern is results, then we will choose to work only with those who give us good ones. Are you selective in your friends sometimes? or selective of the people that you're gonna hang out with, or selective of the people that you wanna be around because you think you can get something from them, rather than seeing a need that you go, you know what, we're not gonna deal with this. I'm not gonna deal with that person. This always, it's interesting how we struggle with this in the wilderness, when we struggle with it. In fact, in the wilderness of solitude, I will always have a choice. The first choice is to feed my ego's demanding, demands to do something important, to gain validation from some source other than God, or to try to reach for happiness by getting things I currently don't possess. The second choice is to feed my spirit with what God says is true about me. What God says about me might as well be written in stone because it's so true like Jesus. When I declare it is written, I'm saying what God says is true and everything else is a lie. It's interesting when we look at this about, do you remember how Jesus defeated the devil? 
Four times he says, it is written. And take a look at Jesus' final blow. Because for me, this sticks out. It says, Jesus responds, go away from me, Satan, because it is written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve him only. For me, that's a flag thing. Boom, he put a flag right in the land and said, this is who I am. I'm here to worship God. That's it. And my identity is in God. That's crazy if you think about this. Where Satan goes, okay, I'm gone. Because Jesus knew his identity. He knew his purpose. He knew, and Jesus was authentic to who, to who he was. Go away from me, Satan, because it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Our egos try to get in the way to believe stories we make up about ourselves to serve ourselves. And we each are uniquely created to serve God. The thing is, I've noticed that my ego will create this incredible armor around myself where I don't live a life of authenticity, but I live a life of, like a soldier of don't get near me, don't hurt me, don't do this, I don't trust you. Rather than being true to who God's created you to be and created me to be, then those relationships are so authentic and so real. To faithfully serve God, we must connect to solitude. To hear the small voice, what Jesus says to us. You are my beloved son. I love you because I made you. You bring me pleasure when you are faithful to who I created you to be. You know, Lent is very fascinating to me because Lent was from the ancient churches of 40 days of Lent, which is exactly the 40 days when Jesus was in the wilderness. And it's fascinating here. Why 40 days? Because sometimes we think, well, we can get close to God within an hour. I got an hour break. Let's do it. Let's do it. We can't do that. Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness. Lent's 40 days. Lent is meant to be a time where we intentionally go into the wilderness of solitude with God in order to starve the demands of our ego and allow God to undercover the true foundation of our identity. It takes a while. So here's my advice. The thing when I was reading the scriptures, starving, what was starving in my life during Lent is my ego. My ego needs to be constantly fed, you know that. And so therefore, when you do the 40 days of Lent, you'll realize, man, that ego is hungry. That ego wants to justify things. And so when I allow the ego to die, here's what happens. My bitterness dies. My anger dies, my resentment dies, my self-centeredness dies, because all of those need to be controlled by the ego. If your marriage is not working out, starve the ego. You will watch your marriage be healed in a second. If you have a, a crazy outlook on life that's just tearing you down, starve the ego. You will watch your perspective completely change. God will begin to undercover your true foundation of your identity within the 40 days. And for me, what I'm doing is I'm choosing to starve my ego. And then my true identity will start flourishing. And then I learn to love myself as Christ loves me. And out of that, I learn to love others. Do you see how it works? So I encourage you, starve something in the next... 40 days. May God bless you and may God bless his word.